welcome to Oh, I Like That, a podcast about things we like and occasionally things we don't. I'm Rachel Wilkerson-Miller. And I'm Sally Tamarkin. How's it going, Sally? Uh, it's going well. I didn't think of anything I wanted to say. So I all I have to do here is <laughs> is tell you that. How are you, Rachel? I'm pretty good. What's the vibe with you this morning or this afternoon? Sorry. The vibe is post- Yom Kippur clarity, which I have some of right now. It'll okay. last me like another 72 hours and then <laughs> Yom Kippur will come around next year and I'll be like, damn, like I really have to do this. I only hung on to my clarity for like 72 hours last time. Mm. It's a cycle that's <laughs> entering its 43rd year. But yeah, I just, I uh, had a really, uh, felt like I had a good, meaningful fast and I think every year I get closer to finding like the community and the resources that like resonate with me. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very picky because I'm not religious really and I don't believe in God and I don't feel good about Zionism. And so mm-hmm. that eliminates like 97% of like the way a lot of American <laughs> Jews relate to Judaism. Uh-huh. Although by, by no means am I like alone in those things, but it just, it takes a little bit more legwork to find you know, services that are meaningful. So I'm getting closer and I just want to, I'm just going to add a little bit of service here, which I didn't tell you I was going to do. It just occurred to me. So this is like a product of a friend of mine, like not wanting to mess up how they like wished me, like sent their best wishes for Yom Kippur. Like they were just not sure how to express that. Mm -hmm. And I t- was talking about it with them a little bit and I sent them a Google link. I, I like, I sent them a link that I had found on Google to like an article. And this friend was like, yeah, but like, I also don't want to be the person that like says the thing that like only Jewish people say to each other. That feels mm-hmm. really inauthentic to me. And I was like, okay. So I just thought here's some service <laughs> for what you can say. Okay. First thing, first thing you can do is just like Google the holiday. So you like understand it, whether it's for Yom Kippur or something else, because if you Google Yom Kippur, you'll see that it's like a solemn holiday, not sad particularly, but well, maybe sad. I don't know. It's, it's solemn. It's a day of reflection. It's a day famously of atoning. So it's like, it wouldn't be appropriate to be like, have a rock in Yom Kippur. <laughs> <laughs> uh, But, you know, you also, if, you know, you don't feel comfortable, you know, using a traditional like greeting in Hebrew that a Jewish person might say to another Jewish Jewish person, which I'm fine with, but some people don't want to do that. You can just say like, I hope you have a meaningful fast. I hope you're, I hope you have an easy fast. I hope your Yom Kippur is a meaningful one. Like just, there's no like, there's no like stock phrase you have to memorize. It's more just about like, having a sense of like what the holiday is and then like tailoring it. And you can also be like, I'm not sure exactly how to say this, but like I've been thinking of you. I know it's Yom Kippur coming up. I hope, I hope it's a good one for you or or whatever. And, you know, I think it's always better to educate yourself, take a guess and let the person tell you, you know, or you can ask, you can be like, Hey, I really want to say this to you, but I don't know how, but I think either of those options are better than like not saying anything because I think it's nice. Maybe not. I don't speak for everyone who observes any, (laughs) every single religion all over the world, but I think it can feel nice when like your friends are kind of like paying attention to your thing, especially if, if you have a practice that feels like somehow like it's considered like out of step with like cool mainstream secular humanist life in America. It's like nice Mm -hmm. when people like recognize that it's a thing. So 
I say go for it. Sorry, that was a really long vibe check. I just I just decided to throw some service in there, Rachel. What can I say? I think it's great. Okay, so I actually really appreciate this because I sort of went through this separately on my own yesterday when I realized, oh, you're offline today. Um, I want to say something. And then I was like, I don't I don't think there I, – I went through the like, is it okay for me to say sort of like the traditional greeting? And then I was like, that probably I'm I'm going to steer clear of that for now. So like <laughs> just because I don't want to like appropriate anything or just be too much. So but then I Googled the holiday. I learned some things about it. I'm like, OK, I'm glad I didn't go with a hap- like happy holidays because that's not the right. right one for this. And so, yeah, I think like I, I feel I feel validated that I did Google it, that I I, I mean, I, it was a bit awkward to be like, how was your day of fasting and atonement? But I did really want to know. And that is what you did yesterday as I found out when I looked into it. So I think that the service is appreciated because okay, good. I, I grew up going to Catholic school and only knowing Catholic people. So I feel a little out of my depth on this stuff and appreciate the the service. Okay, good. And I just want to say for the record, you're a success story, Rachel, because you Googled, you educated yourself and you're an example of someone who like checked in in a very appropriate way. You're like, Thank you know, you. and I was like, oh, that's cool. Rachel like knows what I was up to and was like checking in and it, it wasn't like, you know, like you weren't like it, it. It wasn't like weird in from either direction. It was like really nice, and so I appreciate that. I appreciate you, oh, the man googling something and like learning a little <laughs> bit about it. Like, oof, we all got to get better. A lot that. of problems. I'll, I should also mention that for you specifically, I also checked to see if there was a Bitmoji for the occasion. There was not. Um, I'm which, so <laughs> upset about that. <laughs> I'm sh- I'm also shocked by it. I feel like that's not usually their move, but perhaps they also struggled with the like, what should it say? I thought for sure Bitmoji would solve the problem for me, and it, and it didn't, which is why I kind of had to to make my own way. But maybe it's better to not be relying on Bitmoji to uh, learn about <laughs> other cultures. <laughs> this is but this is like one of the only times that Bitmoji has failed failed us. I checked this morning, and I was like. I, I put in like some stock Yom Kippur phrases and I was like, well, maybe let me try something in Hebrew. And that was not a thing. So maybe next year, but I agree, like Bitmoji doesn't like lend itself tonally to like solemnity. <laughs> and so that yeah. could be why. That could be why. I think they, they maybe made the right choice to sit this one out. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what about your vibe, Rachel? My vibe today is like productive, which is on theme for what we're going to talk about in this episode. But my personal national nightmare is coming to an end today because we've had all of these really annoying car problems. That's like That makes it sound too complicated. It's like a minor <laughs> ding in the windshield has turned into a, like a month-long saga because there's a glass shortage and we've had all these appointments get canceled last minute and the glass keeps showing up with a crack in it. Like It's just been such a headache. It's involved a lot of phone calls. And today, at long last, the glass is finally getting taken care of. It's it's being replaced because the the crack is or the it's like it looks like it got hit by a rock, but it's on the in inside of the windshield. Mm, so they can't mm-hmm. fix it. So it has to be replaced. And it's just been a huge ordeal. And we're taking a road trip next week. So like it has to be fixed soon. And I was really getting to a point where I was like, is this going to be done? Are we going to need to rent a car? So the car is off being fixed and I am so relieved about it. I'm so happy this is finally being taken care of. I'm extremely happy for you. I feel like the process that the the journey that you've been on with this particular thing is like a perfect example of like if someone hexes you it's like what you yes. experience like yes. just it's every so it's ridiculous. like first of all it's like a, it's actually like an extremely solvable like common problem yeah where every step along the way there's been like a new like bizarre difficulty and it's just like it seems like there's an otherworldly influence 
you it know? feels that way. It's like been a work. telenovela of minor ridiculous <laughs> updates. So, but I've also just been feeling like I'm, I don't know, that that has been really good. But I'm also this week, I've been trying to kind of stay a little bit more on top of like chores and packages and all these little things. And I'm, I'm feeling good about it. I feel like going into the weekend feeling kind of like together, which is a nice place to be. I love that. I love feeling together. What are we talking about today? All right. Today, the main topic is organization. And Mm. I guess productivity is a subset of that because being organized can help you be more productive, but it doesn't have to be that. We're just talking about the ways that we stay organized, which to be clear is not in all aspects of our life. So I I thought maybe to kick things off, we can kind of talk about how we approach organization, how we think about it. And then after that, we're going to dive into some of our best tips for being organized. So Sally, what are your sort of your grand unified theory on organization if you have one? Well, so I think that I used to have this idea that like there were two kinds of people in this world, organized and disorganized. And now that I've gotten to know myself better and I know that I am extremely organized in some ways and completely catastrophically disorganized (laughs) in other ways has led me to the understanding that it's not really like a binary thing. Mm -mm. It's like, I think that like one thing I realized is that I think some people can have a block around like certain things. Like there are certain things that like, I'm very good at keeping organized, feels very second nature. Other things uh, are so disorganized that it's like, (laughs) it's like disorganized to the point of like, I have to talk about it in therapy. Like I don't understand (laughs) why I can't get this part of my life together. Mm -hmm. And that to me, like, you know, of all of the like sort of mainstream narratives that we like unpack and deconstruct and throughout our lives, (laughs) the binary of being an organized or disorganized person is probably one of the more like the the (laughs) more minor narratives to deconstruct but it is but it is like worth I think just like thinking about like if you're if you're a person who wants to be more organized in some part of your life but you've sort of decided that like part of your identity is being disorganized I think that can be a block to like just trying out things that will help you be more organized and I hesitate to ever say that there's like one way of being that is like objectively better than another way of being. Having said that, I think that it can be hard to be disorganized in a world that expects you to do things in a certain way, do things mm-hmm. in a certain time frame, and so on. And so this is like me talking to me, <laughs> giving <laughs> myself a pep talk about like how I can actually get more organized if I want to. Rachel, what about you? What what do you have any like macro thoughts about the topic? Yeah, I think that you're so right that it's often something we think of as a binary and it's something that we think of as innate, like you are either a naturally organized person or you're not. I think people think that I'm naturally organized and I'm I don't think that I am. I think that I'm trying really hard to compensate for the fact that I that's not my nature and maybe Maybe it is. I don't know. But I think that as a kid, I had a really messy desk and like got yelled at by my teacher about it a couple times. And that made me feel really awful and also made me feel disorganized. Like I'm a disorganized person. That's who I am. And so maybe all this is like trying to compensate for that. And I would have just like, who cares? I would have outgrown it. I was eight years old. Mm -hmm. But I also think the thing that's really funny is that I – I realized when I was at BuzzFeed that I'd been there for like a year and and somebody said something to me about like being super organized. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Like I don't think of myself that way. But I was sort of projecting enough organization in some aspect of my life that people just applied it to everything else. And I think that's really true that if you just – you get like 75% there, people just – assume it's true and take you the remaining 25%, even though there's still aspects of my life. Like I'm looking at my room right now and I'm just like, this is 
I am not organized. That's not true. <laughs> but I think it's like being picking the things where you can excel at it and like really doing that, even if it doesn't convince people you're organized, which isn't really the end goal, like it helps you think of yourself as organized and capable. It also just makes your life better in a lot of ways. But I think once you realize you can organize some things and you have control over some of these things, it becomes easier to like over time organize more things. You don't have to do everything all at once and you probably can't and probably shouldn't. Like it really does. It's like an, it's a lifelong project being organized, I think. So I think it's like figure out what you can do and do that. And then maybe you'll get to the other stuff and maybe you won't. And that's fine. Okay. So now that we have kind of our macro thoughts on the table, Rachel, do you want to like start us off here? Yeah, I would love to. So the stuff we're going to talk about today is kind of a wide range of organizing tips. So my commitment to organizing my email is a big chunk of it. And then I'm also going to talk about Slack a little bit. And then Sally doesn't have like the one definitive thing that she like lives and dies by, but has a bunch of smaller and maybe more achievable tips. So we'll give you a good range of things to to try out. So the first thing that I'm going to talk about is how I keep my Gmail organized, which is a system I'm incredibly proud of and maybe suggested we do this episode so that I could spread the gospel of filters and labels to a wider audience. But I, there are so many tools built into Gmail to make this easier and I just feel like no one's using them. So this is my starting point. I keep my Gmail open all day when I'm working and I have my personal email and then my work email, both of which are through Gmail. And I hate having lots of unread emails. So if I'm getting, like if I see that I have a new email, I'm going to pause what I'm doing and go look at it with with some exceptions. Sometimes if I need to really work, I'll like close those tabs out. But for the most part, I'm pausing to look at it. So a bunch of newer unread emails is a huge distraction. It's going to keep interrupting my day. And so many of the emails are not worth it, particularly at work. I'm sure you remember getting tons and tons of press releases that are like, it's just like, have you ever seen anything I've ever written in my life? Why are you sending me this? And so to, to get distracted by that multiple times a day is a huge problem. So I started setting up a bunch of filters and labels and have a system, which I'm going to explain in a minute, that has like almost entirely solved this problem for me. I like am rarely getting interrupt. I still get PR emails, but basically PR people get one chance to email me and then like never get through again. So I've like, I've nearly solved this problem for myself. What you were saying about PR emails. So these are emails from people who have like, you don't know. These are people Mm -hmm. whose job it is to publicize a thing and they email you Sometimes it just says dear comma because they haven't like put your name in there or sometimes it's someone else's name and they want you to like cover their their product like as a journalist. And I not 98% of the press releases I get are for someone are 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 like nothing I would ever in a million years or lifetimes ever cover. Mm-mm. So the way that I dealt with this, then I think this will reveal a lot about like my personality when it comes to organizing is I basically just like set up a really aggressive filter so that basically if I don't know who you are or haven't corresponded with you, it you go, I never see your email. Like mm-hmm. it, now this became a problem in <laughs> every job I've had because mm-hmm. people who had never emailed me before, but say worked in the same company <laughs> would email me and I just like wouldn't get it right. over and over and over. So, and I knew that, but I continued to use that system because for me, I was like, it's really important that I get organized in this one way. Mm-hmm. Of course, it made me extremely disorganized in other ways because people right. who I worked with would be like, I've emailed you four times. Why aren't you replying? So mm-hmm. I say that as a just like that's like the on ramp to the organizational system that you're about to share which not only would it have solved my problem 
I think it also would not have created the problem that might. Right. right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> tell us all about it, Rachel. <laughs> I actually, it's funny because I think PR emails are kind of the way that I first discovered this system. Like I started doing it for PR emails and then it was so successful. I was like, I bet I could apply this to other things. And that was true. So I'm going to start with like a sort of basic explanation of how you can set this up in Gmail. So when you're reading a specific email, got it open, there's three little dots that appear above it. There's like a top, there's a bunch of icons. You can mark it as spam. You can trash it, whatever. There's three little dots for more. And you want to go to that and click filter messages like these. And that brings up a window. And it sort of is creating a form for you to decide how you want to receive these emails in the future. So for example, every time I would get a press release that I didn't want, I would click filter email like emails like these. And it sometimes it'll be sort of like pre-filled out. So it'll have like the from filled out or like the to filled out, whatever. It doesn't really matter because you can fill it in yourself, but it's with the press emails, it'll usually have the from filled out. So it will be from like, you know, Sally at like Hot Topics PR or whatever, Hot Topics comms, I don't know. And so I would just go to that. I would say filter messages like these, anything from this PR person. So you'll like fill out, fill that out in the first screen, like from that person and then click create filter. That will take you to a bunch of options of like what you want to be done to this email. So for PR, I would always choose skip the inbox, which means that you don't see it. Mark is red. So you don't like you never get a notification. And then I do apply the label. This is where you can create your own labels. So I have an email that's or a, a label that's just PR pitches. Mm. So everything gets filed away to PR pitches, but they like remain in Gmail somewhere. So smart. So if, if once a week I want to go to that and just browse and see if there's anything good in there, or if I've accidentally like if I've accidentally applied this to somebody who I work with or whatever, or Gmail thinks that I meant that, I can go check it. Those emails aren't lost forever. So I can go check like once a week, once a month, and then just delete everything from it. Again, you never know. There might be the one gem. So it's not totally hiding them, but it may it means that I don't get interrupted. And so again, I have to do this every time a new PR person emails me, which is frequently. But then I go and I see, okay, this email inbox has 2,000 messages in it. So that's you know, a lot of messages that I didn't see the first time around, especially because PR people are usually following up with you repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And so you don't see those anymore. They're just gone forever. Mm-hmm. So that was sort of my like entryway into, oh, I can Brilliant. I can control what emails I see. And then I was like, I'm going to apply this to everything that I do. And it kind of grew from there. Yeah. I just want to say like for, you know, if you're listening, you don't have a visual of this, but maybe we can like blur some things out and like gram some stuff just because like, your inbox and your little, your folders. Like I just, in my notes, I wrote down a site to behold because (laughs) it looks not only really, really, really organized, but also very aesthetically pleasing. So I hope you're going to also like talk about that aspect of like getting organized. Yes, definitely. So when you set up a new label, it will typically just be like gray on gray, which is very ugly and not very fun. A thing that has helped me is to color, like Gmail lets you choose the color. And I've just leaned into that choosing different colors again, because I want to at a glance be able to see these are the things that are the most important. You can put emojis in there, which make it more fun to look at. So I recommend doing stuff like that. So you can set up whatever labels that you want. Also, you can have labels without filters. So you can just label things a specific way if that's helpful for you. And I do that in some cases. But if there's a certain type of email that you're getting a lot, 
I think that setting up some kind of auto filter, even to just automatically apply the label is really helpful mm-hmm. because I, you know, with PR, it was like, I want it marked as red. I want it hidden away from me. I actually don't want that for some emails. Like some I do want to see, I want them to be unread so that I don't miss them. So for those, I'm just going to maybe say, okay, any email with this subject line, apply the label like home slash packages. And that's like, okay, I just want to see when we have a new package sent to us. Mm-hmm. And so I don't mm-hmm. want that like archived or marked away. But I do want the label applied to it so it looks nicer in my inbox and I can kind of just like take care of it as I see fit. The other thing that I've done is like you can get super granular. You can kind of create labels for whatever reason you want. So you can create them as like sort of task signifiers. So I handle a bunch of freelancer paperwork through my role at Vice. And so I'm often get get, like it generates a ton of emails. So we send out a contract. When the freelancer signs it, I get an email when it goes to somebody else who like signs it again to execute it, I get an email. But when the freelancer signs it, I don't actually need to see that. I like, It doesn't really mean anything. I don't need it until it's been fully executed. So I have a filter set up so that with the specific subject line that it get the contract email is like, so-and-so has signed this thing. When I get that subject line, it marks it as red and applies like freelancers slash contracts or whatever the label is. Great. I know it came in. I don't need to take any action. When the other email subject line comes through that's like, this is now signed and filed, it still applies the label, but it doesn't mark it as read. So then it's mm-hmm. like, okay, now I'm going to make sure that I see this because I need to take action. And then from there, I have like additional little labels that are sent up as like, basically, I can put like a red exclamation point on things that I need to. If I have an invoice that needs to be filed, I put on like invoice red exclamation point. And once I've submitted that and it's taken care of, I change it to invoice green check mark. So it's like, okay, now this has become a really helpful workflow, a labeling system that like Gmail doesn't really have that capability like built in. You kind of have to set it up for yourself, but it's so helpful. Like when I look at my inbox and I see, okay, a red exclamation point, I'm going to address that. And it, it's a way to do that without having to keep everything unread, which for me, like I, I simply can't have a bunch of unread emails. I would right. lose it. So it's become a really helpful workflow system when I'm like, for me, it's really important to stay organized when people are needing to get paid. Like that's the most important part of my job. And so this kind of grew out of like, oh, how can I kind of hack the Gmail inbox to make sure people are getting paid on time and I'm not missing anything? It works great for that. But now I do it for everything. Like whenever I get, like I get a ton of newsletters. I love them. I don't need all of them to be like showing as an unread email, but I apply the label newsletters and then I can just go check that list later and be like, okay, great. I have like a bunch of newsletters I want to read, but I'm not getting essentially pinged and interrupted 30 times a day for these newsletters, which can wait until I have time to read them. Uh, This is like totally like aspirational for me because I think there are people who might hear that and be like, well, this isn't for me because I don't really mind having a lot of unread emails. I (laughs) am listening to you and being like, I relate because I also don't like having a lot of unread emails, but I deal with them as I get them, which I know for a fact is not a good strategy for me. (laughs) Like it interrupts my workflow. It makes me have to focus on things that I don't want to focus on, or it makes me break my focus to like deal with some unimportant email or whatever. This is like the system that I need to implement. And the thing about this system that's great is that Of course, it's ongoing in the sense that like if you have a new workflow in your life, you have to like create a label for it or whatever. But it's like really what it is, is like on the front end, you set a bunch of things up and then everything just like flows from there. And I think that 
sometimes in for me when I think about it, I'm like, man, I'd love to be more organized in like this specific way, but it's just so much work to do it. But it's it's actually like on balance, I think like much, much, much less work. And even if it was actually more work or the same amount of work, it's like much better for like my ability to focus and think. So it would be Mm -hmm. like worth it to uh, anyway, you know? Yeah, I think that's right. I also think like I didn't do all of this at the same time, actually. I think after I really figured this all out for my work email, I had the thought of, oh, I think I could apply this to my personal email. And I think I just did it with the emails that our building sends because we get, we were getting a bunch of packages. And then it's also like we get, you know, like your rent is due and like this other bill and like all these little things were coming in. And it was like, most of this is not that important. What if I kind of applied this to just that? And even if I had stopped there, it would have been like, great, we're done. And I don't actually have auto filters set up for everything. So you can see in the screenshot I sent you, I think there might be a one that's like labeled for the podcast. That wasn't an auto one. That was one I just applied after mm. I read it because it like looks nice to have everything labeled, but you don't have to have everything labeled. You could just apply this to, you know, your freelance gigs or your kids' school emails mm-hmm. or, you know, bills and things like that and just do it that way. And I think if you just do it as they come in, like I'll if I get a new email and I'm like, Oh, I didn't like, I didn't really need this. And now I'm realizing I'm going to get a bunch of these because I've like joined some new thing and I'm going to be getting these emails. I'll just set the filter up Mm -hmm. then. But I don't, you don't have like, if you sat down and did it for everything, it would probably take you less than an hour. But I feel like if you want to just set it up as you go, that's also perfectly fine. And each new thing you add will ultimately kind of chip away at this bigger problem. Right, right, right. And I also think that even if you are somebody who doesn't mind having a lot of unread emails, you can still do this because you don't have to mark things as read. It's more just like, do you want to be able to look at your email inbox at a glance and have a better sense of like what's in there? Because if you have a lot of unread emails, it's a little bit harder when everything is bolded. It's hard to see the things that you really need to see. Mm -hmm. And so making sure that you're just adding a label to the stuff that's really important that you don't want to miss can also just go a long way. Have you, are you familiar with Marie Kondo's way of folding things? Yes. Okay. Have you ever done that? Yes. Okay. Do you know the feeling you get when you look in a drawer and everything is folded the Marie Kondo way? I do. It's like, (laughs) it's like, it's like the combination of like feeling like you just got a great night of sleep. Your cell phone battery is full. Mm -hmm. Your car tank is full of gas and your, you know, your water bottle is full. It's like you feel, you feel good. You feel safe. You feel (laughs) like enlivened. And that is like the feeling I'm getting when I look at these screenshots of yours, because it's like, it's not just that it's really organized. It's also so aesthetically pleasing, like with the colors and the different like emojis and stuff like that. And it's like a very similar thing with like the Marie Kondo folding thing, which is that you look in your drawer and you like see all the stuff that is like important enough to you to have and seeing it displayed in like this really nice, beautiful way that also saves a lot of space just makes you kind of feel pleasure. And like, that's, that's Mm -hmm. like the same feeling I'm having looking at these screenshots. So I don't know. I'm just saying, I think you're onto something. (laughs) Thank you. I think that's right. And I think also once you get to a critical mass of setting something like this up, like once you've organized one of your drawers, you're like, what if I do another one? Or when you put things back in, you want 
those to match the rest of it. And I think once I got to a certain point, I was like, oh, I just want to have all of my stuff labeled because it's noticeable now when something isn't yeah. labeled. So some of my labels are like friends and it's just like my emails for my friends. Like, do those need a label? No, but like it looks nice and it makes the whole thing look cohesive. So again, you don't have to go that far, but I think that it just makes my email inbox look nicer. And when it's something that, again, I'm going to be looking at multiple times a day and have open multiple times a day, it's like so nice to just have it look a way that feels aesthetically ple- pleasing and really soothing and also gives you that feeling of accomplishment. Like, oh, I organized something, which is worth its weight in gold. It so is. Yeah. Just that feeling alone is like everything. Okay. So my other tip is also similarly about digital organizing. And this is about getting your Slack organized, which if you don't use Slack for work or for any friend groups or anything like that, it's not as applicable, but a lot of people do use Slack. So I think that these are good, helpful tips to know. So the first thing I want to mention is Slack bots which are really good for like basic kind of housekeeping stuff. I remember one time Millie Tran, who we used to work with and who is an all-around inspiring person and very organized as well, said, don't do anything yourself that you can get a bot to do for you. And I think about that a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I started using Slack bots for a bunch of different things when I was managing people. So you can set up a Slack bot for recurring reminders. So for a while, I needed the people on my team to look at the editorial calendar at the end of each day make sure it was up to date. So I just set up a Slack bot that would do an at here in our channel every day at 4 p.m. So I didn't have to be the one saying it. And it's nice to just kind of like outsource that so you don't feel like you're constantly reminding people to do things. You can also do it for like a morning check-in. You can tell Slack to ask, what's everybody working on today in this specific channel at this specific time? And people just know to respond there. But you can also do like specific one-off reminders. So you can tell the Slack bot like, you know, remind me to send this thing to Sally when she's back online tomorrow. So I'm not slacking you at a weird hour, whatever the case may be. So just like little things like that are really helpful. You can also do a bunch of integrations with Google Calendar. So for a while, my team had like a like an out of office and appointments calendar. This is back at BuzzFeed. And Slack would automatically pull it in in the morning. So it'd be like, here's what everyone's got going on today. So if somebody was working from home or like had an appointment at two, it just told us in the morning. Again, so easy. And like, it just was kind of a one-time setup that was like, hey guys, make sure you're putting your stuff on this calendar. And then we're going to be told this every single day. So I think like doing that kind of upfront work to just make it hands-off is great and highly recommend it. And then the other thing I want to recommend is slacking yourself. So like you can just DM with yourself on Slack, which I feel like not everyone necessarily knows about. So I use that for like little reminders or if I like build a post in our CMS, but it's not totally done yet and I need to go back to it later and I just want to have easy reference to the link, I'll just Slack it to myself. If I have an idea for a story at a random time, I'll Slack it to myself. And then when I need to go into a pitch meeting, I'm like, what was I thinking? And I'm like, oh my God, I had all these ideas. Incredible. So just like using that as kind of a like repository. And I I find that it's better than like emailing yourself a bunch of little things, which I don't know, that has never really worked for me. But just having them in Slack is super helpful. I love that. A lot of these tips also. I think can be used with Discord, which a lot of people also use, especially like in any sort of like geeky hobby, you probably use Discord. Slack has way more functionality for this than Discord does, but Discord can do some of these. And I I say that just to say like whatever messaging app you're using, there are probably some integrations and functions that you can use to kind of keep things more organized. Yeah, I agree. The other thing I do is like I have a pretty specific way of organizing my Slack sidebar, which might be a little difficult to explain, you know, without being able to show it. But I think the most important things are that you can star certain conversations and rooms and you can mute certain rooms and then you can organize your sidebar so that it keeps the starred things 
at the top. So you'll see like if you can mute and unstar channels, like if you're in like a reality TV discussion room or something that's more fun, I usually mute rooms like that Mm -hmm. because I don't need to get interrupted for every single thing. They'll still show up in my sidebar when there's a new message there, but they kind of just go to a different section and they're not bolded. So it's not like this needs your attention immediately. It's you can click over there if you want to. And but like for my stuff, like the, my team rooms, the DMs with the people I talk to the most, those are all starred. They're right there. And just, I don't know, when I see a, a Slack sidebar that just has every single s- message anyone's ever received that's in their sidebar, I'm just like, oh my God, it doesn't have to be this way. Like, <laughs> I know. It's so stressful even it. thinking about that. Yeah. They're really helpful ways of staying organized without doing anything. And I do have to say, like, reminding people about looking at a you know, an editorial lineup or updating something without you specifically being the person doing it as a manager, that really does make like a huge difference. It's so nice. And it just makes you not feel like you're in that position every day of like having to nag everybody. It's like, no, a bot's going to do this. And it's no longer making it seem like me, the person who's constantly bugging you to do this thing. Like, I think it feels better for everyone. Totally. That way to have this like sort of third party automatic thing happening. So highly recommend using Slack bots to your advantage. And you can do it for fun things too. Like we did it in one of the rooms I was in at BuzzFeed, one of our teams, we had like every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 530. It was like a show and tell bot. Yeah, I Now it's fun time. We're going to do like show and tell and people will just share little funny stories and or like what they're doing later. Or if you have a question, like an icebreaker question to ask the group just to get to know people. And it was so fun and effective and we had so much fun. So I think just using them for fun things too, that's like a nice little surprise of like, oh, it's time to do the fun thing now is a good reminder. So fun. Yeah. You can set up a Slack bot to like remind yourself to like take a break or stand up Mm -hmm. or go get water, like all that stuff. Yeah. Anything that we'd use. I I talk a lot about using my phone alarms for things like this, but you can also put things on your calendar, have calendar integrations with Slack, or you can just set up a Slack bot that's like, it's time to eat lunch. It's time to drink some Mm -hmm. water. Mm -hmm. Totally. All right. Those are my big ones. I could go on, but I feel like these are the ones that give me the most bang for my buck in my everyday life. So I'm going to kick it to you. What have you got to share? Okay. So I have some things that are comparatively less bang for the buck. And (laughs) I don't know if the bang is less or the buck is less, but these are like kind of a low, low touch organizing things that I do. The one I'm proudest of, Rachel, is when I make a list for the grocery store, I write it in the based on like where things are in the store. Mm. So instead of just like a list of everything I need, I put like, you know, I always go to this one Trader Joe's and I know that like all of a certain kind of produce is like in one place. And so that all goes in like one place together and so on. Now, I, I remember one of my friends growing up, his dad had on their refrigerator, he had like typed out like <laughs> a like schematic of wow. like, <laughs> of like <laughs> all of the aisles that stop and shop and like mm-hmm. what was in each aisle. And I remember like kind of thinking at the time, like, whoa, this is like really overkill for grocery shopping, but it's actually brilliant. Mm-hmm. And, and I, now I don't have something that's like that sophisticated. I just sort of group things together, but like his was, was like things were grouped together, but also were like their placement on the page represented Mm -hmm. their placement in the store, which is like some really next level shit. Wow. Yeah. But this is just basically like, you know, you, if you know, basically grouping things by like where they are. And then I guess actually, if I think about it, like my grocery list is a little bit like, I know that when I walk into Trader Joe's, the first place I go is like 
the produce just based on where the front door is. And so the first thing on my list is the produce. So I guess I, I do that like a little bit. And I guess I am now the adult who I thought was really extra as a child. This is so aspirational to me. Like I've always wanted to do this and just have never done it. I also just feel like why aren't grocery stores as like a little free promotional thing creating a custom to the store like you could just get like a, t- a notepad that is set up this way for you and or like a map of the store where you can like put your list on it. Like why are they not making this easier for ourselves? Because I think the reason I don't do it is because I panic and think I'm not going to remember where anything actually is in the store, which is probably not true. But that is my like kind of unfounded fear that keeps no, me yeah. from just jumping in and doing this. Totally. I mean, the one thing it, it does, I will say, is it does kind of like take away your spontaneity a little bit. Mm-hmm. So having if you have like any like emergent like ideas in the grocery store and that's how you shop like maybe this isn't the best for that but yeah it's great it's made me like it's i think it like really cuts down on like how annoying it is to grocery shop and to be like to have to go all the way back to the other end of the store because like you forgot you needed this thing yeah that's so good okay i'm going to i i like haven't been doing a ton of grocery shopping lately my girlfriend usually does it but this is i'm going to start thinking about making this a part of my life i'm inspired I love it. Okay, so that's one thing. And then another thing I recently got was a this it's called a visual thinking journal and it's mm-hmm. like it's called Grids and Guides and I'm I don't know if you can see Rachel if I like hold it up you can see like okay, yeah, one yeah, page yeah. that has like grids and then but then there's like also dots and then there's some pages that have like triangles and kind of weird shapes and it's basically meant for like if you want to write down your thoughts in a way that is not just sort of linear or like narrative, but you know, you, you sort of want to capture ideas and how you write them down in like physically in space is like important to that. And then also, also lots of like lines if you want to like have things be straight and stuff. And I never, it's really interesting because I'm looking at all of these the, the things I'm going to talk about, they're all kind of about visual thinking, even though I mm. do not think of myself as a visual thinker at all. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. But I, I just <laughs> I will say that like with some things that I'm working on, particularly with like writing and editing, where I'm thinking a lot about how something flows and what the structure is of something, having one long doc where it's just like everything is in there from top to bottom, it makes it hard for for me after a certain point to like think through what I'm doing. Like I want to move things around, but everything is in this long list. And once you scroll down, you can no longer see what's above. And I find that with this visual thinking journal, it really helps me organize my thoughts Mm -hmm. and sort of be able to like move things around in space in a way that keeps my brain organized. And I, and I, I'm, I kind of wish I had like discovered this like earlier in my career because I think I would have had a lot easier time editing longer pieces if I had like, I mean, sometimes I want to print something out and cut all of the, cut a document into paragraphs so I can mm-hmm. just like move them around and that yeah. it helps you do that kind of a thing. So that's like kind of a way I keep my thoughts organized. And then related is like, I don't know if you're familiar. I use the the word flip chart and you were like, what's flip chart? Because I don't, I think, I think basically it's like if you facilitate workshops, you know what flip chart is, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. basically it's a huge notepad, big notepad <laughs> sits on an easel. Sometimes I, when I need to think things through in a different way, again, it's like, it's like the visual thinking journal, but on a much, much bigger space. And that just really frees my brain up. And it's so much, it's so superior to sitting there for me sitting there 
staring at a doc and being like, why can't I organize my thoughts? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like I, this is a, (laughs) this is in English and I speak English fluently and my job is to work with words. Like, why can't I figure this out? And just to realize that you can some, sometimes your brain needs to be organized in a different way. And the elite level version of this is like putting post-its on the giant Mm post-it and like, that's how you organize (laughs) things and you move things around. So that's another thing that, that keeps my brain organized. I think the, the, the thing that is like most important for me to keep organized and also like hardest to organize isn't like external to me. It's like in my mind because things get, things can just get a little bit chaotic in there. And so these are all ways that I sort of like keep my shit together and, and like make it so that I'm able to actually think things through. But I do have one other thing I do that is kind of like an external thing, which is that my iPhone used to be a place of just complete chaos with like Mm -hmm. apps everywhere. (laughs) And I would find it really stressful. But, you know, recently, or not that recently, but sometime in the last like few updates of like the operating system, they made it possible to like put apps into different folders, like to categorize them and to also move them onto different screens and stuff like that. And my, my phone, there's like, nothing on my home screen Mm. except for like the camera and the settings and then everything else is in folders elsewhere and it's just it's nice to look at something that's not cluttered and then the other thing that I do which I think is like I think it's like the fastest way to open an app but maybe it just is for the way I use the phone but I I search for the app as opposed to like finding it and finding the folder it's in. Is that what you do, Mm -hmm. Rachel? I do a mix of both. Like I have more on my home screen and I have like muscle memory for those things. Even within folders, I'm just like Google Drive isn't this folder. It's like two strokes away. So for the things that are like the 20 apps I use the most, I don't. But everything else I've been, I search for. And it's I feel like it's another tip that like a recent update now, it's easier to search too. Mm -hmm. Like two swipes and like then you're there. But even before I found it much, it was really helpful. Like, oh, like a, an app I rarely use and I don't even know if I still have it. I'm searching for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That That's what I do. And that has like definitely made me feel less like I, I just remember like early on when there was like kind of a period of time where like there were way, way, way more apps, but it was before you could like really organize them as before there were folders. I would feel like increasingly stressed out looking yeah. at my phone. And now it's like they've just given us a way to make things, you know, stay organized, stay clean. And I I think that like a lot of like what we've talked about with organization today is like just visually things looking like there's a system. Yeah. You know, right. And, and I think that is kind of like the, the bottom line for me, at least with a lot of you know, it doesn't even, the, the system of organization doesn't a- even have to be that deep. Like on my iPhone, it's just like, there's a folder for things related to like groceries. There's a folder for things related to like banking. Like it's not the deepest system, but it's like just enough to make it so that like things are usable and I don't start like breathing rapidly when I look at my phone. <laughs> I think that's right. I think the visual aspect of this is important and I think it does do a lot. But I think also with things on like anything on your computer or your phone, like the visual is the thing in a lot of ways. So it's really helpful to be able to see at a glance. Like when I'm looking at my email, I'm looking at it. So I want to be able to tell at a glance that it's organized and you kind of have to put that stuff in place yourself. 100%. I think like that kind of does it for what we wanted to talk about, but we should ask listeners if you have any organizational tips, like, you know, hacks, pro tips, things you do, whether they're like 
you know, having to do with your phone or your computer or your office at your home, like anywhere, your car, like whatever, your your bag. That's another one. You should totally let us know your tips. You can write in at ohilikethatpod at gmail. I would love that. I would love to actually, as we talked about this, I was like, we could do a whole other episode on this because I'm remembering more things that I'm realizing have been helpful that I recommend, but don't even like, are the things I don't even realize that I'm doing that are really useful. Like I'm going to send you a screenshot of my Google calendar later. Oh shit. Just if you want to see gonna, a, an aesthetically pleasing thing. That's going to rock my world. I can't I think wait. This, the secret to all of this is you can put emojis in a lot more places than you think you can. And yeah. it like really brightens things up. Also, I, I was reminded as we were sitting here about the the system we have in place for doing our show notes or the table of contents in Google Docs, which oh, I yeah. feel like it, it took a little while for you to master it. And now you you've you understand why it's so special. And like, that's another one that. Yeah. Let me tell you that like (laughs) learning how to do that. It reminded me of like trying to teach my grandpa how to use a mouse. Like he had never used a computer before. And he was just like looking at the mouse and he was just like, I don't like conceptually even understand (laughs) the relationship that this object has to what I'm looking at on the screen. And that's like how I felt with like putting the headings in to make like chapters in the Google doc. Like I couldn't, I was like, I don't understand the relationship between like the things I click on and it being done. It took me so long. It took me, it, I was like episode like 19, <laughs> but now I get it. It's amazing. It's also really simple. I think I had like a mental block, but yeah, I mean, there are those like little sneaky things that I think like we do and I kind of don't even realize. Yeah. Well, we should definitely do more of this. In the meantime, definitely send us your tips, your suggestions, and we'd love to hear them. We'll maybe do a second episode and, and feature just some people's tips in, as a kickoff. We absolutely should do that. All right, Sally, do you have a nice thing to end on today? I do. I just want to mention, I've been rewatching The Good Place, Mm. which when I first watched it, I really liked the first season. And then for the rest of it, I was like, eh, whatever, it's cute. I, I really lost interest. I didn't even watch the fourth season. But I'm revisiting it and it's it feels very relevant for the pandemic. And the reason mm. is that like what the show is about without really like spoiling anything is, is really about like what it means to be a good person. And the show like grapples with this in lots of different ways, sometimes in a more serious way, other times in like a light, funny way. But one of the phrases that comes up again and again is the idea of what we owe to each other. And this is kind of, it kind of becomes like a, like a, a guiding light for the characters in the show to sort of in, in a given situation, what should I do? Think about what we owe to each other and that kind of guides you. And that has felt incredibly profound to me during the pandemic in a mm-hmm. way that it just didn't resonate. And it didn't resonate in the same way before. You know, when I when I think about people getting together, like there's a huge gaming convention going on right now. It's indoors. They are requiring masks, but not requiring vaccinations. And it's like, if you're trying to figure out like, should I go? Is it the right thing to do? It's like, you can sort of think about what, what do I owe to other people? And for me, like one thing I owe to other people is to like, not spread, not, not be part of spreading the pandemic. And Mm -hmm. I, I also owe it to people who are more vulnerable to like serious cases of COVID to like, make the, like do my part to make this end as quickly as possible. Like that is a thing I owe to others. And like 
that has felt really profound, just not even just in terms of like figuring out what should I do, but in like for like Rachel, you and I, I think over the last like year and a half, I've had a lot of conversations about what is it okay to do? What is it not okay to do? And not just in terms of like our own safety, but like what is it, what is like unethical? Like mm-hmm. what should people feel embarrassed and ashamed of doing? Like mm-hmm. stuff like that. And like part of it, part of that comes from, for me, like a place of like intense anger for people mm-hmm. being selfish. But it also comes from a place of like wanting to really understand in like a meaningful way what are we supposed to do? Like what, Mm -hmm. what is the right thing? And for me, like I've really been thinking about how much of it comes down to what we owe to each other. That has just been kind of ringing in my, in my ears a lot. And so I just wanted to like, my, my nice thing to end on is just like the concept of what we owe to each other. I think that's great. I think that you're so right that that is a thing that's been coming up again and again in the pandemic, or it's not coming up enough in the pandemic, and it's not really the focus of how we're thinking about things. But as you and I often say to each other, we live in a society. Like, why are people behaving this way? Like, why are we acting like it doesn't matter what we do, that our consequences or our actions don't have consequences? And I think that that's a really helpful framework when making lots of different decisions. Like, what do we owe each other? To me, the answer is like quite a bit, but it's really hard to do that sometimes, particularly in a, in a, system that's not built for that. The system, like in the US anyway, is just like, we owe each other nothing, everyone out for themselves. And so it can be really hard and it it falls on the individual to make those decisions. And it sucks, but it's also like, well, what other choice do we have? It's You can't do it all the time. You can't do it perfectly. But I do think it's it's a good guiding light to try to do it as much as possible. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So Rachel, what is your nice thing to end on? Uh, My nice thing to end on is Lil Nas X, who dropped a new video this morning as we were discussing a little bit because I woke up and saw that and was like, well, this is amazing. This is this could have also been my vibe check. The vibe is Lil Nas X. It's this new video (laughs) that it's it's got two themes. One is gay football and the other is Brokeback Mountain. And I just it's a great song. I love him. I think he's so great. He's so young and fun and like and gay and black unapologetically. And there's so much joy in everything he does. And I'm just so excited that there's a new video out and it looks great. You were like, you texted me and you were like, if you can watch this before we record, I'm going to talk about it. And I watched it. And then we had like a, like an <laughs> effusive like conversation back and forth because it's so fucking good. I don't even, I can't even, I, I would like diminish it by trying to describe with my words <laughs> how good it is on so many levels. So we'll link to it in the show notes. We'll also link to a really great New York Times Magazine profile of Lil Nas X. It was written at the beginning of the summer by Jasmine Hughes, which if you're not really familiar with him is a really good introduction to like who he is, what he's about, how he became famous, why his music matters. And it's also very effusive. I think that the cover, it was on the cover of the magazine that weekend. And I think it was Hot Boy Summer was like the headline on the cover. And I just feel like that's the spirit of this piece. That's the spirit of his music. And even though the the hot girl in Hot Boy Summer is A, now ending and B, like kind of was cut short. I think that he still brings that joy and that sense of excitement and just like being young and hot. I think there's just something fun about watching somebody be like, yeah, like, look at me, I'm young and I'm hot and like, I'm going to live my best life. That is just really energizing and exciting to see. Yeah. His like sense of self is like, speaking of things that are aspirational, (laughs) Jesus Christ. Like, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's like, 
Yeah. I mean, definitely watch the video, the profile. I usually don't like celebrity profiles because they're, I find them to be usually really weirdly like fawning. And Mm -hmm. also like someone is always like, she's petite. They're like weirdly, they're like describing like their physicality in like a weird objectifying way. And they just are they don't really offer anything. And I think this profile offers everything. It's so good. It's like the opposite of every bad profile. It's like you really get a sense of him as a person and uh, as a celebrity. And like, it's just really good. It's, it's really worth reading. Amazing. Well, I think that does it for us today. It does do it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Oh, I Like That. Please rate us and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Oh, I Like That Pod or email us at Oh, I Like That Pod at gmail.com. You can follow the two of us on Twitter. I'm the underscore W-R-E-M and Sally is at Sally T. Oh, I Like That is produced by Rachel and Sally and edited by Lucas. Amber Seeger, who is Rocket Orca on social media, designed our logo.